Good morning. This morning we're going to start a three-week series, if you will, on uh, choices. The choices we make and the impact they have in our life. And that where we're going to begin is in 2 Chronicles chapter 34. 2 Chronicles chapter 34 this morning is, is going to be our text, 34 and 35. As we talk about how important our choices are, our everyday choices. I, I, I don't know that I've heard this term used since we, we've moved back to Arkansas, but I know in North Carolina, when, when I served there, I would go and I would eat a lunch with students uh, on a regular basis, and there would be a lot of times that the students I went and ate with got in trouble. Like, pretty much every time I went and ate with them, they had, were coming out of getting in trouble. But it was interesting to me because when they got in trouble, I would ask them what happened, and they said, well, I had to go to Choices. I don't know if schools here use that phrase or not, but I was like, man, that's weird. I mean, it's just another way we're coddling these kids these days, right? They're going to choices. They're going to detention or ISS. That just sounds so mean, right? But no, they're going to choices. But as I've thought more about that and reflected on it, I realized it actually makes a little bit of sense, doesn't it? Like the reason you're in trouble, buddy, is because of the choices you made. The choices you made landed you here. The choices that you have uh, done is the reason why you are in this situation. So try to make better choices next time. I remember going and, and ministering in jails and, you know, and praying with guys and, and things like that. And, and, and I was always shocked to find out that no one there ever did anything wrong. Like they always would say things like, would you pray for me in this terrible thing that has happened to me? rather than these choices that I've made. It's so important, guys, that we take ownership of our choices. It's so important that we take ownership of our situation. I mean, how many of you here this morning honestly believe that your character and your situation is a result of things other than your choices? Can I tell you this morning, as we look at God's Word, that our choices matter. Our choices actually determine where we end up. And so uh, I, I want to read a verse to you from 2 Kings 23. This is not our passage this morning, but I, I wanted to read you a verse from 2 Kings 23 and verse 25. Speaking about a, a king of Israel, uh, th- see if you can tell me who this verse is about. Before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might according to all the law of Moses nor did any like him arise after him. Our thought is when we read that verse, I'm sure if you're like me, if you have any background in church, is that you're, you think King David, right? I mean, he's the greatest king of Israel. Surely when God had this, this verse written, he was talking about King David. But that's not who this verse is about, this great king who, who did these amazing things, who served the Lord unlike any other king before him or after him. He was actually a man named Josiah. He's the reason why we named our son Josiah. Uh, He's a man who became king during Israel's darkest time. They were a wicked nation who had run far away from God. But he led them. He turned the nation around through worshiping God and serving God and obeying God. He, He earned this distinction of being known as this king who no one else ever turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his might like he did. So how did he do that? Surely, surely this guy had all the cards stacked in his favor, right? Surely he had the, you know, he just won the hereditary lottery. Surely his his parents were great. Well, listen to the first part of our our passage this morning, 2 Chronicles chapter 34 and verse 1. 
Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. Eight years old, he became king. That's like one year older than my son. Like, I can't imagine an 18-year-old reigning, much less an eight-year-old. That's scary, right? Scary enough to think that when you're 16, you're old enough to drive, much less when you're eight, you're the, the king of a nation. How in the world did an eight-year-old become king over Judah? Well, it's because his dad was extremely wicked. His dad's name was Ammon. But the dad's dad's name, you may know, is Manasseh. Manasseh is the most wicked king outside of Ammon, Josiah's dad, that ever reigned in Israel. He led Israel, he led Judah to do all the things that the people that God had destroyed and, and replaced with Israel were doing. He led them to do child sacrifices. He led them to do wicked, evil, unspeakable things. He was a, a terrible person. And his son Ammon was even worse. In fact, Ammon was so bad that this wicked nation that, that had walked away from God said, you're too evil even for us. And they rose up and they murdered him. They killed him. And they set up his son Josiah, eight years old, in his place. Not exactly having all the cards stacked in his favor, right? Not exactly. I mean, think about it. Eight years old, he's an orphan because his dad was so wicked the people rose up and killed him. Yet, we read of him that there was no other king as faithful as Josiah. If there's no one else in Scripture that teaches us this truth, it is Josiah. And that is, there are no victims here. We are all responsible for our choices. I was talking to Crystal about that this, this week. We are talking about this passage, and she pointed out to me, she said, it really doesn't matter who our earthly father is. All that matters is who our heavenly father is. See, it doesn't matter who on this earth we've descended from. All that matters is that we have trusted on the one true God. It doesn't matter what our ancestry looks like. What matters is, are we believing on the one God? Are we choosing to follow Him? And so I want to encourage you this morning to choose to follow the only Father that truly matters, God of the universe. As you move on here, you see in verse 2, it says, And He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father, and he did not turn to the right hand or to the left. That sounds amazing, right? He chose to follow the Lord. But notice what he says in verse 3. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet a boy, he began to seek the God of David, his father. He chose to follow the Lord, and he chose to follow him now rather than later. When it says here that he chose to follow the Lord, you notice it says, because in the eighth year of his reign, Josiah started reigning at eight. Eight years later, he would have been 16 years old. At 16 years old, he chose to follow the Lord. Guys, can I tell you, you're never too young to begin to follow the Lord. You're never too young to begin to seek Him. I know uh, that there's this really unhelpful idea that some people get in their head that it's you know, helpful to uh, sow your wild oats while you're young, and then later on you can become a faithful believer and all of that. And that sounds really good. You know, get it out of your system while you're young, and then when you get older, you know, everything will be great. Can I tell you someone speaking from experience? When you sow wild oats when you're young, those things that you sow have a way of growing up and becoming thorns in your side for the rest of your life. They have a way of hurting you the rest of your life, of scarring you the rest of your life when you sow wild oats. It's not all it's cracked up to be. 
And, and so, whether you're younger or older this morning, don't put off seeking the Lord. Don't put off chasing after the Lord. Seek Him now, not later. There's an urgency here. While he was still young, he began to seek the Lord. We talked about this a few weeks ago, that, that Satan is very good at talking us out of following the Lord and serving Him when we put it off. When God calls us to do something, we're like, ah, I think I'm going to do that next week. I'll do that this afternoon. Oh, I'll do that next month. I'll begin to serve Him later. No, seek Him this morning. Serve Him this morning. There's no time like the present. And, and so Josiah began to seek the Lord as a, as a young, uh, young man and, and at the age of 16. And you, you read on in verse 3. And in the twelfth year... He began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the ashram and the carved and the metal images. And they chopped down the altars of the bells in his presence. And he cut down the incense altars that stood above them and broke in pieces the ashram and the carved and the metal images. And he made dust of them and scattered it over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. And it goes on here and it says that he also burned the bones of the priests on their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And then the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, and as far as Naphtali, in their ruins all around, he broke down the altars and beat the ashram and the images into powder and cut down all the incense altars throughout all the land of Israel. Then he returned to Jerusalem. So at about age 19 or 20, he rids the land of idols. He destroys them. This deep-seated love uh, the people of Israel had for idolatry, he cuts it out. Guys, I... These idols, these high places where they worship false gods, they were put in place by Solomon, the second king, as in David's son, as in Josiah is the first king since David to tear down false gods. Josiah is the first king since David to say, you know what, we're going to worship God and we're going to worship Him alone. No compromise. We're going to get rid of all the idols. Think about that. At age 20... Josiah changed the world, or at least his nation. What's he calling you to do? When, when you're seeking the Lord, guys, God will use you to change the world. It doesn't matter how old you are. Those of you who are younger this morning, don't discount what God could use you to do, how God could use you to change the world. Those of us who are starting to get a little older, let's remember that those who are younger Many times God uses them to change the world and bring about revival. I'm adding myself in that, that camp. I'm realizing every day that I'm not young as I once was. You know, uh, you know, as you begin to realize that and you see folks who are like in college and you think maybe they're maybe in middle school, you're like, man, I think I might be getting old. Uh, but, and so we, we have to be careful of thinking that you have to be a certain age before God can use you. Or that he can't use you past a certain age. What, what in our lives this morning, guys? He can use whoever he wants to use. What in our lives this morning is distracting us from seeking the Lord with our whole heart? What idols do we have that we need to burn up and destroy? Maybe it's time this morning as spring has come upon us that you do some spiritual spring cleaning. Say, don't need that, don't need that, don't need that. I'm pretty good at spring cleaning. Like I'm good at getting rid of stuff. Sometimes spiritual spring clean is a little harder, though, isn't it? It's more painful. Like, it's not painful at all for me to throw stuff away. Like, Crystal looks the other way, and I throw stuff, throw stuff out all the time. Then sometimes she doesn't even know it. Like, she's looking at me. She's like, what would you throw away? I don't know. You're not missing it. Apparently it didn't matter, right? 
But when we talk about spiritual spring cleaning, when we talk about getting rid of stuff, idols in our heart, that hurts a little more, doesn't it? Like when you get caught trying to throw out baby toys and stuff like that. It gets harder and harder for us the deeper things get into our heart. And so, yes, God can use us no matter what age we are, but He can't use us if we're distracted. He can't use us if we're worshiping all these other things. What's distracting you this morning? What's on your mind rather than God? What is stealing your worship? Josiah, at age 20, was able to lead an entire nation that was not able to do this for hundreds of years to destroy their idols, to burn up their idols, to get rid of the idolatry in their lives. And not only that, he, he begins to renovate the temple and begin to worship in, in the temple again. I mean, these people were so far from God that they had left the place that they were supposed to worship God at. They would let it basically fall into disrepair, into shambles. And so he began to put money into fixing the temple. He basically unified the entire nation. Again, something that has not been seen since Solomon's day to fund the, the rebuilding of the temple, to fund the renovation, basically, of the temple. And so look at verse 14 with me of chapter 34 here. So as it says, While they were bringing out the money that had been brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law uh, of the Lord given through... Moses. Now, just let that sink in, guys. This would be the first five books of the Bible, the, the Torah, uh, the, the book of the law, the, the, the very nature, that the core document that unites all of Israel around who God is and what God has called them to do. They're cleaning up the temple, and some dude picks up this scroll, and he's like, uh, this looks like it might be important. What is this? And he begins to read it, and he's like, oh, wait. It's the Bible. Huh. How about that? The, the people of God had lost the Word of God. The people of God had basically lost the Word of God to the point that they didn't even know they had lost it. Talk about uh, crazy. You think about this. The people who were supposed to worship God didn't even know how far they had fallen. I wonder why their nation was in such a mess. Kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? When we don't walk according, according to God's Word, destruction follows every time. And, and so they, they find the book of the, the law of Moses uh, for, from God, and so they bring it into Josiah and they begin to read it. In verse 19, if you would skip down with me, uh, verse 19 of chapter 34, they bring the word of the Lord to Josiah, and it says in verse 19, And when the king heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes and commanded uh, Hilkiah, uh, Akim, the, the son of Shaphan, Abdon, the son of Micah, Shaphan, the, the secretary, and Asaiah, the, the king's servant, saying, Go, inquire of the Lord for me, and those who are left in Israel and in Judah, concerning the words of the book that have, has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out on us, because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord, to do, all, to, to do according to all that is written in this book. And so when Josiah hears the word of God, he doesn't say, oh, wow, that's nice, but there's no principles in there for me. There's no principles on raising children or balancing a checkbook. I don't need any of that stuff. No, when he hears of his sin and he hears of his nation's sin and he hears of what God has said to the people of Israel, he rips his clothes in great disgust of who he is and of who his people are and how they've rejected God. And he says, guys, we are in trouble. He doesn't make excuses. He doesn't say, God, why have you allowed us to be in this situation? No, he says, guys, we are in a mess. 
because our fathers, because of our ancestors, they chose to walk away from God. They chose to disrespect God. They chose to disobey God. As he hears God's Word, he repents before God. He doesn't make excuses for the sinful choices of the people who came before him. He doesn't excuse their sin. He's very honest. But he also doesn't say, well, you know what? That's their fault that we're in this mess. Somebody else ought to fix it. No, he takes responsibility. You notice he doesn't just say, well, you know, it's just not fair. I mean, if my dad would have been a little better, better king, then we wouldn't be in this trouble. Or, you know, if, if these people who came before me wouldn't have done this, then I wouldn't have this. No, he, said, he doesn't say I get a pass because of my ancestry. He says, guys, we are in a mess. We need to find out what God says about it. He doesn't say, you know what, it's the previous generation's fault. He also doesn't say, it's all these kids coming up today. It's their fault if they would just act right. He doesn't blame it on anyone. He takes personal responsibility for his own choice. And he says, Lord, what would you have us do? How can we move forward? Can I encourage you this morning to take ownership of who you are? Can I encourage you this morning to take ownership and say, Lord, I know that I'm in a mess. How can I turn this around? And so they send to the prophetess uh, to find out what God would have them to do. To find out how God is going to respond to their sinfulness. And so Josiah says, I want to know what we ought to do, what God commands us to do. And so if you would skip down again with me to verse 26. And so, first, the, the prophetess says um, God's going to destroy these people because they're very wicked and they're vile and there's just no undoing their, their wickedness. But, verse 26, But to the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, regarding the words that you have heard, because your heart was tender, and you humbled yourself before God when you heard His words against its place and its inhabitants. And you have humbled yourself before me and have torn your clothes and wept before me. I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Behold, I will gather you to your fathers and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace. And your eyes shall not see all the disaster that I will bring about uh, upon this place and its inhabitants. So God says to Josiah, because you humbled yourself, because you humbled yourself under my word, I'm going to show mercy on you. I'm going to show grace on you. I'm going to show kindness to you. And in fact, I'm going to show kindness to this entire nation as a result of you. I'm going to put off destroying these people because you have humbled yourself before me. I'm afraid sometimes we don't take that approach when it comes to the Bible. Instead, we take the approach of, I'm going to decide whether or not I like what this says, and then I'll decide whether or not I will obey it. Oh, well, you know, instead of God lead me, show me what to do, it's um, I think I will be the judge for myself of whether or not I should obey God's Word. Because we need to read the Bible humbly and allow it to judge us, not us judge it. God's Word shows us who we are. It's not optional. Like, this is authoritative. We are called to obey Him. And, and so this humility says, God, I'll do whatever you call me to do, even if I don't like it. And then Josiah follows through. He doesn't just talk about doing what God called him to do. He actually does it. And so we read in verse 33 these words, And Josiah took away all the abominations from all the territory that belonged to the people of Israel and made all who were present in Israel serve the Lord their God. All his days they did not turn away from following the Lord, the God of their fathers. 
In other words, he actually obeyed. We're talking about this in Sunday school this morning. You know, it's really easy to know a lot about God's word and not actually follow him. Think about the Pharisees in Jesus' day. They knew the Bible. They knew it frontwards. They knew it backwards. They knew it sideways. Then the Son of God, the Messiah, shows up on the scene. They'd been waiting for him for thousands of years. And he shows up, and what do they do with him? They kill him. Because they don't care what God's Word says about him. They only care about what they want to hear. Jesus looked at them, and he said, You search the Scriptures, because you think in them you'll find life. But the truth is, is that these scriptures speak about me. The Bible leads us to Jesus. If the Bible does not lead us to follow Jesus and obey Jesus, we're doing it wrong. It doesn't matter how much Bible you know if you don't actually obey. Guys, just hearing the word does no good. James said, be hearers of the word, not, I mean, be doers of the word, not hearers only. You can read your Bible ten times a year, but if you don't actually obey it and you don't actually listen to what God says, you don't actually humble yourself in obedience, it does you absolutely no good. So I'd bring more judgment on you. The Pharisees are a perfect example that these people are a perfect example that they had the Word of God and they chose to reject it. Humble yourself before the Lord in obedience. When you get to heaven, it's not going to be you know, a test on Bible knowledge. It's going to be whether or not you have followed the Lord. And so Josiah follows the Lord, he obeys the Lord, but he also worships the Lord. He chooses to worship the Lord. He pours out his heart, and he pours out his resources into keeping the Passover. We see this in chapter 35 as we move along. Uh, the Passover was their, their yearly celebration, their yearly reminder that God had saved them from slavery. It was this yearly reminder that God had redeemed them, that they were slaves to Egypt that they had not uh, always been a free people, that they had actually been enslaved, but that God set them free, that He redeemed them by the blood of the Lamb, that the, the blood of the Lamb had covered their sins and He had led them out of Egypt and, and into the Promised Land eventually. It was this yearly reminder that they were not a people because of who they were, but because of who God is. It was a yearly reminder of God's grace and God's salvation. But it was something that they hadn't really kept. Look at verse 18 of chapter 35. And so they keep the Passover. This would have been where they slaughtered lambs and where they had this huge worship service to celebrate God's grace towards them. And so in verse 18 we read, No Passover like it, speaking about Josiah's Passover, had been kept in Israel since the days of Samuel the prophet. None of the kings of Israel had kept such a Passover as was kept by Josiah and the priests and the Levites and all Judah and Israel who were present and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. In the 18th year of the reign of Josiah, this Passover was kept. So at about age 26, Josiah does something that David didn't do, something Solomon didn't do, something Hezekiah, any of these kings that we think about did. None of them had kept the Passover like Josiah kept the Passover. None of them had obeyed God the way that Josiah obeyed God. None of them had proclaimed the grace of God the way that Josiah proclaimed the grace of God. The author here says not one of the kings preached the gospel to his people like Josiah did, basically. That's what they did yearly. They preached the gospel to each other to remind themselves of God's salvation. And Josiah's the first king who gets it. Think about that, guys. At age 26, he learns more of what it means to be obedient and worship God than all of his ancestors. He chooses to worship the Lord. In spite of the fact he had a dad who was 
horrendous and a granddad who was just as bad because he was willing to follow the Lord. And as he was willing to follow the Lord and as he was willing to celebrate the salvation of God and worship Him, he he continued to walk with the Lord. He continued to choose to walk with Him. Can, Can I tell you this morning that your worship is going to determine the way that you follow the Lord? Just like Josiah constantly preached uh, preached the gospel to the, this nation, we constantly preach the gospel to ourselves. We're reminded every time we take the Lord's Supper, every time we gather, that we were slaves to sin and death, that we were slaves and that we were headed to hell, but that God in His grace and His mercy chose to save us through sending His Son, the Lamb, our Lamb, our Passover Lamb, and Him dying in our place so that His blood could cover us. And so we choose to worship Him. We choose to serve Him. Worship is a priority for those who are following the Lord. It's not a flexible date on the calendar. It's not if I feel like it. No, it's something that we do. We worship Him. Not just when we gather, but when we scatter. When we go out, we preach the gospel through the way that we live, through the grace that we show, through the effort that we put in. So our our lesson here is that we, as we worship well, we follow well. Are you worshiping this morning? Are you following the Lord? Are you choosing to worship Him? Choosing to be reminded of His salvation for you, of His grace towards you. And and then just quickly, I I wanted to give us one negative lesson that Josiah teaches us. As we build him up, we think of him as somebody, or at least I have in, in the past, as somebody who could do no wrong. But then we come to verse 20 of chapter 35. After all this, when Josiah had prepared the temple... Necho, king of Egypt, went up to fight at Karshmesh on the Euphrates, and Josiah went out to meet him. But he, Necho, sent envoys to him, saying, What have we to do with each other, king of Judah? I am not coming against you this day, but against the house with which I am at war. And God has commanded me to hurry. See, supposing God who is with me, lest he destroy you. And so the king of Egypt is going to fight someone else, and Josiah's like, Oh, no, you're not. I'm going to fight you. I, like, I'm going to take you on, buddy. And, and the king of Egypt's like, dude, back off. Like, I got nothing to do with you, you know. Uh, check yourself before you wreck yourself, right? I mean, it's this idea that if you keep coming at me, you're going to die. If you keep coming at me, God is going to destroy you because God has told me to do this. Back off of me. But look at verse 22. Nevertheless, Josiah did not turn away from him. But instead, what did he do? He disguised himself in order to fight with him. He did not listen to the words of Nico from the mouth of God. This man who had faithfully served the Lord and listened to God's word and tore his clothes at God's word would not listen to God's word, but came to fight in the plain of Megiddo. And the archer shot King Josiah. And the king said to his servants, Take me away, for I'm badly wounded. So his servants took him out of the chariot and carried him in his second chariot and brought him to Jerusalem. And he died and was buried in the tombs of his fathers. All Judah and Jerusalem mourned for Josiah. For whatever reason, he's about 39 at this point. I don't know if he's going through a midlife crisis. You know, some guys get Harleys. Apparently Josiah started a war. But he, he, he says, I'm going to take on this king. I'm going to take on Egypt, one of the powerhouses of the day. Israel's this itty-bitty speck on the map. I'm going to take them on because I feel like taking them on. I don't care what God says. Guys, can I tell you that spiritual pride... It's just as dangerous as any other sin. Feeling like it doesn't matter, I can take it on. You better listen to God's Word. You better obey God's Word. I want you to think about this. One poor choice cost him maybe some of the best years of his leadership. 
Like he's just getting to hit his stride. Like he's just getting there. And he's dead. These people lose a great king. The, the kings that come after Josiah are terrible. It's not very long before they're completely destroyed. All because he chose to disobey God. All because he chose to not obey. This guy who did things that even King David never even did. This guy who was faithful in ways that no other king was faithful made a decision that ruined everything. Can I tell you that you can make all the right choices, but one wrong one can ruin everything? Not just for you, but for everyone around you. One bad choice can destroy everything you have done. This great king of Israel stands as a testament to us this morning that there's not one of us here that's above failing. There's no one so spiritual here this morning that making all the right choices that you're not more than one choice away from destruction. You're not one, more than one choice away from ruining it all. That's heavy, isn't it? But it's true. We are all subject to this truth that every single day we're still called to make right choices. Like you don't get to save up right choices uh, you know, and, and say, well, you know, I'm going to use these right choices on down the road. Well, I've been good for so long now. Surely God will give me a pass. Like he owes me one. Like, I, don't I get a, you know, a day pass or something? Can I go out and do whatever I want for just a day? No, it's a daily journey of making the right choice, making the choice to follow Him. What, what, what are you struggling with this morning? What choice are you facing that you feel like maybe you should get a pass on? Maybe you should get to, to just this one time not follow the Lord. Guys, bad choices are bad choices. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It doesn't matter how many good choices you made. You make one bad one and ruin it all. Continue to seek the Lord. But on, on the flip side of that, the flip side is also true. Bad choices yesterday don't mean that you can't make good choices today. Like right here this morning, you can begin to seek the Lord. It doesn't matter how long you haven't sought the Lord. It doesn't matter what you did the, the entirety of your life up until this moment. You can this morning decide, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of suffering the same old consequences that I always face. I from here on want to follow the Lord. And guess what? His mercy and His grace will wipe away all the stain of sin on your life. Jesus, the, the Son of God, went to the cross to pay for all those bad choices we made. He went to pay the price that we owe because of our sins. He wants us to have a fresh start this morning. He wants you to have a fresh start every day as you come and you confess your sins to Him. Hey, hey, you can't go back and change what you did yesterday, but you can change what you do today. You can change what you choose tomorrow. You can choose this morning to begin to serve Him, to begin to worship Him, to begin to follow after Him. I, I read a an old Chinese proverb that, that sits well with this. It, it says that the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago, and the second best time is today. In other words, just because we failed in the past doesn't mean we've got to keep on failing. We can this morning say, from this point on, I'm going to be faithful. From this point on, I'm going to serve. From this point on, I'm going to seek after the Lord. And then we, like Josiah, if we're not careful, we'll make some bad choices. Probably daily. We're honest. But then what do we do? We choose to return to the Lord. We choose to humble ourselves before Him and say, Lord, I have sinned. I have messed up yet again. Will you again show me grace? Will you again show me favor? 
And as we already sang this morning, His grace is always greater than our sin. His mercy, His forgiveness is always greater than anything that we have done. We are never so far away from God that we can't find victory in Him. As I want to tell you this morning, there are, there are no victims here. We don't have to be a victim. That when we trust on the Lord, we begin to follow Him. He takes us from feeling like victims to being victorious. He takes us from feeling like we are powerless to giving us power. Power over sin, death, desire, destructive habits. I mean, whatever it is. Trust on the Lord this morning and find grace and mercy greater than everything that you're facing. What choices are you facing this morning? Are you seeking the Lord's wisdom and His guidance in them? Or are you ignoring God's Word to you? If you're ignoring His Word, would you repent and turn back to Him this morning? Or maybe this morning you're thinking, I've messed up too bad, He'll never take me back. Yeah, He will. You see, Jesus' blood that was shed on the cross for us was greater and more powerful. His sacrifice, His payment was greater and, and, and more powerful than anything we could ever do. Every time we say, Lord, forgive me, He says, there is grace enough for you. There is mercy enough for you. Choose to come back to me. Can I tell you, that's why Jesus went to the cross. Like if we could do it on our own, if we could always make the right choices on our own, we wouldn't need Jesus going to the cross for us. We wouldn't need him dying in our place. But he did. And he says, all those who believe, all those who trust on me will be forgiven and will receive eternal life. Will you believe on him this morning? Have you ever believed on him? Have you ever followed him? Maybe this morning the choice you need to make is to follow after him and him alone. Or if you are a believer... Maybe the choice you need to make is to follow him again, to ask for forgiveness yet again. Will you pray with me?